Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where there's thieves that break in and steal. But, now he... He gives you the contrast today. He says, but, someone shout, but, but, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love that passage of scripture because it seems to me that God wants to communicate to us that there is a treasure that is seen but there is a much more valuable treasure that is in the unseen world that God says that is the kind of treasure you ought to invest yourselves in. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, if your treasure is in this seen world, then your heart's going to be in that seen world. It's only going to be occupied. It's only going to be focused in what is a reality. But there is this invisible reality that may be not apparent to the naked eye, but it's the kind of vision that you see with your eyes closed. He goes, that is the place where you ought to invest your lives into. He goes, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, what I want to do for you in the next five weeks is unpack uh, a treasure map, if you will, of what it takes to unlock the keys to joyful generosity. I, I don't know about you, but I just want to, uh, I want to be the kind of community and the kind of person that people don't view me as, oh, that person only took, took, took. I want people to say about me, man, that person was such a generous person. I don't know, does anybody want to be more generous in 2020? Just want to, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live to make an impact. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 9, we actually see a perfect case study. If I can hear myself a little bit more, for me it sounds muffled here. Sound team, can we give it up for our sound team? Been here since 7.30 in the morning. Um, and this is actually one of the most inspiring verses of generosity in the Bible. They, it actually inspires me to live this kind of life. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness, I'm going to read this quickly because we have a, a, so much to go through today. With what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. There's a church in Macedonia that Paul is referencing to, but he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, hey, listen, there's this church in Macedonia. We're going to call it Mac Church. Someone shout Mac Church. He goes, Mac Church, man, you, 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 you got to understand their generosity is at another level. It says they are being tested by many troubles. They are very poor, but... They are filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. My God. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more 
And they did it out of their own free will. Verse 4 says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. I, I don't know about you, but you know, I wouldn't beg. Now, I consider myself a generous person, but if I'm broke and I'm going through stuff, and I'm like, hey, can I help you out? And they're like, nah, I'm not going to beg. You know what I mean? Like when you offer to pay the bill, hey, no, I got this. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, I got it. You're like, okay. <laughs> right? But he's like, no, 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 no. They, they, they were persistent. They begged, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We want to give. Even though we can't afford it right now, even though we're going through hell right now, we want to give. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, man, where was their treasure? They even did more than what we hoped for. In other words, there was, a, there was an expected amount that was supposed to be given, and they said that they exceeded that amount. It's amazing what God can do with a little. Now look at the secret. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. So we have urged Titus who encourage your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith and your gifted speakers, in your knowledge and your enthusiasm, in your love to us, I want you to excel also, don't forget this one, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Though he was rich, yet for, the sakes, for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you could become rich. I want to give you the title to today's message, and it's this. You can look at a person next to you and just help me preach this message. It's The Secret. Someone shout The Secret. Tell them, shh, the secret, the secret. Help me pray. Can you close your eyes, bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these precious moments that we have together, Lord. Help me preach this two-hour message in 42 and 43 seconds that are left up for my preaching time. In Jesus' name, we pray we love you because you first loved us. Amen and amen. Can we give God some praise in this house one more time for the reading of his word? Um. How many parents do we have in the house today? Do we have any parents in the house? I don't know if you notice Brittany. I call her Brittany and Co. now because she's carrying two. And um, soon to be a parent, her and Rodney. Come on, somebody. And, um, and, and I don't know if you know this about parenting, but parenting with parenting also comes repetition. Like you have to constantly repeat yourself. Did you know that? Did you know that about parenting that you have to constantly repeat yourself? I want to go back to the old school days where you only spoke once. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like you go to the store now and they'd be like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you until three. Come over here, right? One, two, three. I saw a lady. She was like 45. 46, I was like, man, we got to go back to old school days and start like, we, if we counted one, we had to make our way. Like, it wasn't like one, two, and you had to wait until three. No, 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 no. By one, you were making your way. The two seconds was the, uh, the, the, the calculated time that it would take for the proximity and the distance that you had between you and your parent. Because if not, they would shorten that time, and they wouldn't speak through words. They would speak through action. Come on, somebody. But there is some serious repetition when it comes to parenting. Like, here's one of them, like, hey, did, um, did you flush the toilet? Did you flush the toilet? 
because you're 14 years old now, and I don't want to see grown man poop on the toilet when I go use it. Like it was cute when you was a baby, but not anymore. What about this? What about, hey, did you brush your teeth? Dad, I didn't get a chance to. No, it's 7 p.m. It's 7 p.m. What do you mean you didn't get a chance to? Like there's some serious questions that come with, with parenting, and, and some of us don't grow out of these areas of parenting, but, but they are part of, of what we do. I get in the car every single day, seatbelts, 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 seatbelts. Is everybody in a seatbelt? It's just part of parenting. It's repetition. It's, what, it's important to me, and I love the way my wife speaks to me because she speaks to me also in repetition. Like for you know, our entire marriage, she has told me, hey, did you take off your shoes? Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes before you go into the house. You're tracking mud all over the place. Take off your shoes. Here's another one. Repetition. Hey, did you use the right sponge? I'm like, baby, we've been married nine years. I know that there was a sponge for the counter and there's a sponge for dishes. I know this. Listen, I, I, I got this, baby. Another one that she repeats to me all the time. She's like, she's like, was it you who dropped the toilet in the toilet bowl? And the, the toilet paper in the toilet bowl. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, why do you, there's four other people living in this house. Why do you ask me? She's like, baby, because you're the only one that drops it in the toilet bowl. And I'm saying to her, well, then stop asking me. Assume that it was me. Repeat, repeat. She's like, I come out the bathroom. Every single, we have a bathroom in my bedroom. I come out the bathroom. It does not fail every single time I come out of that, that, at that bathroom. Did you wash your hands? And I'm like, listen, Lisa, I am grown. I am 37-ish years old. Stop. Did you wash your hands? I'm like, listen, I'm a grown man. I'll be back. Why? Because repetition. Equals importance. If it's, if it's important to Lisa that my hands be washed when I walk out of the bathroom, she's going to repeat herself on a regular basis because it's important to her. And I, and I think that if we apply this same uh, scenario through the scriptures, we will see that it is not only in parenting, it's also our Heavenly Father that wants to send a message to his people. He wants to communicate to us, and you'll see these themes throughout the Bibles. He'll communicate over and over and over and over again. He'll, do you know that the word believe, someone shout believe. The word believe is found 271 times in the Bible. It seems to me that God wants to communicate to us that believing and trusting is absolutely important. Did you know that the words fear not, someone shout fear not. Fear not. The words fear not appear 365 times, almost as if God is telling us there is a fear not for every single day out of the year. He wants to let you know there's a fear not for your Monday. There's a fear not for your Tuesday. There's a fear not for your Thursday. He's constantly wanting to communicate to his people these themes. Did you know that the word prayer appears 371 times in the Bible? Why? Because God wants to communicate the idea and the theme that prayer is important to us. As a loving father, he's going to say pray, pray. Oh, did you forget? Pray. Oh, hey, I want to talk to you. Pray, 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 pray. Did you know the word holy appears 673 times in the Bible? God understands holiness. God is holy. He is set apart. And so he wants to communicate 
this, uh, this message to us that, that holiness is important through repetition. Why? Because if something's important in the heart of God, he wants to make it clear and abundantly to us. The word love appears 714 times in the Bible. Because love is the essence of who God is. So we see it all over through the scriptures that repetition, repetition is key when something's important. 714 times you'll find the word love, but 2,173 times you'll find the word give. Forgiving is the action word of his character, which is love. And so... You'll find the word believe 270, 271, but you'll find the word give 2,173 times. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that God is sending us a message that generosity is absolutely important to him. That he wants his church, he wants his people to know that we are agents of love and the first action of love is to give. For God so loved the world that he what? Woo, somebody give God a praise in this place. And I genuinely believe that Christ Uncensored is a loving church. Why? Because Christ Uncensored is a giving church. And God wants his people to have this spirit of generosity. And there is, there is a, a beautiful uh, uh, product that comes with a spirit of generosity. Our lives, our lives look differently when we live generously versus if we live holding back, stinging. If we're stingy and we hold back and we hoard what God has called us to live expressively and give in a life of generosity. A spirit of generosity produces things in our lives. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 11 said, says it this way. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I don't know about you, but there are larger horizons ahead for Christ uncensored. And because we are a generous church, what God is telling us that he is enlarging our territory. If we're living generously, he's going to enlarge our perspective. He's going to enlarge our heart. He's going to enlarge our impact. He's going to enlarge our generosity. He's going to enlarge our influence. He's going to enlarge the people that assemble here. He's going to enlarge our territory. Does anybody believe that in this place? Reason that, the reason that this message is called The Secret is because I'm reading this passage found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm saying to myself, man, they got a secret that they got to let loose. They got a secret. I don't know about you, but I, when, I, when I know that there's a secret going, in on, going on, it sounds juicy. <laughs> right? Like you're not, yo, yo, why? Even we were taught growing up that if someone was whispering in front of you, it was rude. Why? Because someone knew a secret that you didn't. Secrets in my house are interesting because everybody knows we're just not allowed to talk about it in the house. Someone shout the secret. I look at this church, man, and they encourage me because I look at the church and I, I say, man, it's amazing how the church in Macedonia 
was able to give beyond their means. It's almost like they had uh, this crazy radical level of generosity. I consider myself a generous person, right? Generally speaking, I consider myself a generous person. But when I look at this church in Macedonia, I'm saying, man, Mac Church got this on a whole nother level. Someone shout a whole nother level. It seems like they have the secret to unlock this overflowing, generous, rich level of generosity and giving. And, and uh, I read the passage, and, and I, I, what I want to do today is I want to present it to you like if I'm interviewing them. And they're giving me, like, I don't know about you, but like, I like podcasts. I like when they ask the questions that we want to know how they got there, and I'm like, and I put myself in that predicament, and I say, what if I was there in the church of Mac Church? Because if they were a contemporary church, they'd be called Mac Church now. It's like the church of Macedonia, the first church of Macedonia. No, it would be like Mac Church, right? So I, I interviewed Mac Church, and I asked them, listen, what is the secret to joyful giving? Here's the first thing that they told me. I promise me, I promise me, I promise you, through the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Through the Holy Spirit that this is what they said to me. Here's number one. The first, the first thing that they told me is that our hearts belong to God. Ooh, that's what they said. They said our hearts belong to God. Pastor Ro, can you prove that to me in the Bible? Here's what they said. Verse 3 in that same passage. It said, they begged us again, again and again for the privilege of sharing. Did you see that? For the privilege of sharing. In other words, it's not something that they had to do. It's something that they got to do. The privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem, and they even did more than what we hoped for. But here it is. For their first action, their first step, their, their first movement forward was what? It was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. He says their first their first order of business was first to give themselves to God. Many times we're looking to be generous, but it comes, we, we are the source, we are the resource, not understanding that our hearts have to first belong to God before they can belong to other people. Because when you are generous based upon your own heart, you're generous on a budget. But when you are generous with a heart that belongs to God, you understand that there is no amount that is in your hand that is too little or too much. That when your heart belongs to God, it's just at a different level because you understand that whatever's in God's heart is in your heart. And so the key to secret to, to the secrets of generosity is, to, is that your heart would belong to God. And many times we think that God is after our money, but he's not after our money and he's not after our finances. He's after our heart. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you think that God is after your wallet, but he's not after your wallet. He's after your worship. But if your heart is where your wallet is, he will say, let me get in the way of your wallet so that I can redirect your heart to have a heart of worship. And when you have a heart of worship, you will be like the woman that was in the, in the, uh, the house of Simon the Pharisee. And she poured out her perfume all over the feet of Jesus. Jesus. And they said, why is this happening? She could have used that to sell it to the poor. And he says, if you have been forgiven much, you will love much. You don't understand her heart. It belongs to God. And if her heart, oh, come on, someone help me preach in this place. If my heart belongs to God, then I give it all to God. Why? Because when your heart belongs to God, you understand that everything belongs. Yeah, yeah, everything belongs to God. I, 
I love our children speaking about parenting, right? Like, you never taught your child mine. They just woke up one day. They showed up at somebody else's house. And they looked at a toy. And they knew, they know it don't belong to them. But for that day, mine. No, 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 Jimmy, no. What did we learn? What did we learn today? We didn't teach our kids selfishness. And so we're like, God, this is mine. No, that's not your wife. That's my wife. That's not your wife. That is the woman of God that God has given you so that you can steward here on this earth and lead her and nourish her. Oh, those are my, they're my kids. D-E-M. They're my kids. Those ain't your kids. Those are the gifts that God has given you here on this earth so that you could steward them well and lead them and raise them, uh, raise those children in the way they should go so, so that when they are old, they will not depart from God. So God has given you something, but it doesn't belong to you. He's called you to steward it, not own it. It's like you don't understand everything belongs to God. Can you imagine the type of perspective that we will have living in this world if we understand that everything belongs to God? I said everything belongs to God. The air that we breathe belongs to God. The earth that we live in belongs to God. The heavens that we see in the sky, guess what? They belong to God. So when my heart belongs to God, I understand that everything belongs to God. The scripture will repeat it over and over and over and over again. Psalms chapter 24 verse 1, it says, just in case you didn't know, the earth belongs to God. Everything in all the world is his. Pastor Oh, that's one scripture. You can't build a doctrine on one scripture. Well, here I put four of them for you. I owe no one anything, says the Lord. Everything under the heaven is mine. For the world is mine in all its fullness. Everything belongs to God and all things were created by his. Everything belongs to God. But Pastor Oh, you don't understand. I, I, this is my time. All right, you can have my wife. You can have my kids. But this is my time. This is my time. You don't understand. My time has arrived. No, can I pause real quick? Let me just explain this. It's, it, okay, it's, it's not your time, sir. It's not your time, ma'am. Why? Because the Bible will tell us in Psalm chapter 74, verse 6, that the daytime is his and the nighttime is his. And he has prepared the light and the sun because it's his. But yeah, you don't understand. I've been, I, everything that I have, do you see that everything that I've built? Blood, sweat, and tears. It's done out of the sweat of my brow. The, the, the last I'm on my back, I've been grinding. No, no, no. Even your strength is not yours. But you don't understand. I, it's, it's gain season. I've been hitting that gym. It's not yours. Those are not your muscles. <laughs> matter, of fact, Deuter matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8 will remind you. It says, and he fed you with the manna in the wilderness. It was a kind of bread unknown before so that you would become humble and so that your trust in him would grow and he would, and, and he could do you good. He did it so that you would never feel that it was your own power. I want to say this like petty. So he did it so that every, so you were doing by your own power and might. 
I lost my place. Never feel that it was your own power and might that made you wealthy. Here's verse 18. Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to become rich. He does it to fulfill his promise to your ancestors. My God. God is reminding us that even the strength that we have belongs to him. But it's my body and I could do Don't tell me what to do with my body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Your body does not belong to you. For God has bought you with a great price, so use every... No, but my fingers are mine, my hands are mine, maybe my whole body. No. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it all. I don't know about you, but generosity, the secret to it, is saying that my heart belongs to God. But not only my heart, the world belongs to God, the time belongs to God, my strength belongs to God, my body belongs to God. Woo! Let that travel from head knowledge to heart transformation. Yeah, it doesn't belong to me. That's why the Bible says the life is but a vapor. It doesn't belong to me. Like, don't store up treasures on earth. It doesn't belong to you. Invest and store up treasures in, in heaven. And, and I think the second thing that they would tell us is, that our hearts belong to God, but also that we believe God. Now, now, many times we see this, we believe God, and we think it says we believed in God. But it says we believed God. See, because there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. See, I think many people in this room, we would be honest, we would say, hey, we believe in God. But the question of the hour is, hey, do we believe God? Because I'll tell you right now that God will say some things in your life that will not make sense. See, you believe in God, but do you believe everything that God will tell you to do and challenge you? So they'll say, hey, listen, we believe God. Why? Because it said that they gave out of their own free will and they begged. Let me tell you something. You don't do something out of your own free will that you don't believe in. And it says that they believed in God. Look what it says. It says, they gave far more than what they could afford. Wait a, wait a second. They, I, I can't afford this. How is it that I can give beyond this? See, when God asks you to do something, it will not always make sense. But you're answer, what you have to answer today is, do I want to make sense or do I want to make a difference? See, because God's always going to ask you to do something that, not, that may not be confirmed with your feelings, but it may challenge your faith. Woo! That was the devil. The devil <laughs> made me do it. Yo, who put this here? Who put this here? Devil is a liar. I loved in the old school church, we could blame everything on the devil. That was amazing. It may not always make sense, but I'm not looking for my life to make sense all the time. It's got to make something else. And what God wants to make in your life is not always this thing called sense. It's this thing called a difference. I don't want to always make sense. You got to choose. I'm going to always make sense or am I going to make an impact? 
Am I always going to make sense or am I going to make a change? Am I always going to make sense or am I going to make some faith in my life? God's not going to call you to do something. Listen, it does not make sense what the Bible teaches sometimes. It just does not make sense. The way God works does not make sense. And people will look at you and say, you're crazy. I say, yeah, I know. Why? Because I ain't trying to make sense. I'm just trying to make a difference. I ain't trying to stay in the boat of my comfort and my coziness. I'm trying to step out in the risky waters of faith and do what God can do through the impossible. Come on. It's not going to make sense in our lives to, to do less to do more with less. It's not going to make sense to conquer hate with love. It's not going to make sense to take a mustard seed of faith and move a mountain. And Jesus didn't make sense when he took three nails, two pieces of wood, and a couple of haters to transform the world, redeem the world, and save the world from its sin. It's not going to make sense, but it will make faith. So what is... Your answer today, am I going to, am I going to make sense? You know, I did it, why, why? Well, because it made sense. I gave because it made sense to just give what I could afford, but God called you to go beyond. It doesn't make sense that you would take five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000, but it made a miracle. What do I want my life to make? Do I want my life to always make sense? Where every T is crossed, where every dot is I, uh, every I is dotted. Or am I going to step in, out of my comfort zone and believe God at his word? There's so many things that God has called me to, to do that do not make sense in my life. And I'm just like, listen, I know I've even told people, listen, I know it does not make sense. When I became a full-time pastor, I was all offered $75,000 at the job where I was. $75,000. Now, I'll tell you right now, that's not rich money, but guess what? That's that blessing money. Because at that time, it was a little bit more than what I was making at the time. And I was like, you know what? A $20,000 raise sounds real good right now. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, you, I'm going to get that house. I'm going to get the car. I'm going to get everything that I wanted. And that's when I, God called me to go full-time. And people say, hey, man, you could do both. And what happens is if that you don't stay in comfort, you'll live in compromise. Oh, God. Oh, man. There's your calling. This is not even my notes. I'm giving you this for free. We already collected the offering. <laughs> There's your calling. This is what God is calling you to do. This is your comfort zone. And many times what happens is that we don't ever step into our calling, but we don't stay in our comfort. We just compromise. And so, yeah, I could do both. I could go best. God, I could do, I could do both. I could, I, could, I could, you know, step out of the water, but just, you know what I mean, I'll hold on to the boat. <laughs> God is saying, don't live in compromise. Do you believe God today? And, and, and I want to be honest. Um, what I do is uh, a couple of times a year, I, I want to teach people how to believe God. Not believe in God, we, we do that every week, but a couple of times a year, I want to teach people how to believe God. It's not enough to just believe in God. It's, it's, it's more than what God has called us to do. It's, it's, it's to believe him, believe him at his word, believe him what he's declared, believe what he says, even if it doesn't make sense. And 
I could walk away from a $75,000 job and step into my calling because it didn't make sense, but it's making a difference. I wasn't worried about making a living. I was worried about making a difference. And what the Bible teaches when it comes to generosity, that it all starts believing in God or believing God begins with this principle. And now, now I want to I explain these principles because these principles are extremely important. Like many times we don't understand the principles that the Bible teaches. Now here's, here's one of them. Like you have to understand that if you follow the person of Jesus, he will, Jesus will escort you to heaven. Okay, so when you follow the person of Jesus, Jesus escorts his people to heaven. But when you follow the principle of Jesus, Jesus will escort heaven to your earth. And you get a sneak peek of heaven on this side of eternity. And so there's this principle, it's called, I know some of you guys don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to teach that to you today. It's this word, tithe. Now some of you heard that word and you went like, you started, you started twitching. You're like, did he just say that? Some of you brought your friends, even like, he never talks about this. I don't know why out of all the Sundays he chose to speak the day I chose to bring my friend. Someone say tithe. It's the principle of the tithe. Now here's what the, the tithe is. The tithe is when you take, um, the Bible teaches that God calls his church or his people anytime throughout the history of the scriptures and throughout history of the Bible, we'll see that God will always call his people to a level of obedience uh, of taking 10%, but it's not only about a percentage. Someone say it's not about a percentage. It's not only about the percentage, it's about the priority. Okay? So it's, it's not just 10% that God says that, hey, I want you to now, I want you to understand the difference. There are people in this church that bring the tithe to the church. Now, this is important because we, we, we want to clarify that we don't use the term pay your tithes because we're not paying anything. Why? Because it all belongs. Come on, somebody. Altar call musicians. Let's, we're done. No, I'm just joking. It all belongs to God, right? So, so we don't pay God because it belongs to him. He paid for our Life, our life belongs to him. So we bring him what belongs to him. Now, guess what belongs to him? The whole 100%. But God says, hey, this is the principle that is taught in the, in the scriptures. God says if you take the first 10, the first 10, not, not the bottom 10. He says you take the first 10, you bring it to God, and then you live off the 90. This is a principle that I've practiced for the last 20 years of my life. I know what you're thinking. Man, your entire life. But listen. 20 years of, I was hoping, I was hoping. 20 years of my life I've been practicing this principle. I've been married for nine years and I've been practicing this principle. We have never lived off 90%, uh, 100% of what comes in our home. And so we've decided to, uh, to believe God, not just believe in him, believe God and bring back to God 10% of what God has blessed us with. So what does that mean? It's taking one penny out of every, somebody needs to go to math, algebra, something. <laughs> One penny out of every dime. <laughs> this is, Lord, I could preach what you called me to preach, but you got to do the math. 
Someone was like, Pastor, it's not that I didn't want to tithe. I just didn't know how to do the math. It's one penny out of every, one dime out of every, come on somebody, give yourself a round of applause. One dollar out of every, ten. Ten dollars out of every, one hundred out of every, one thousand out of every, ten thousand out of every. Oh, you got, I'm losing, I'm sorry, that was my fault. I'm messing y'all up, that was just too much, it's great expectations. Matter of fact, I just, you know, I happen to have dimes in my pocket. What a coincidence, Lord. Thank you. The devil tried to make me trip and fall, but you blessed me with ten dimes. So God takes and he blesses you with a dollar. God, I don't have enough to give you. I only have a dollar. See, we think that God is limited by the amount. God is not limited by an amount. He's limited by your obedience. And you think that he's limited. No, no, I only have. No, no, no. But God doesn't. God says, hey, you give one dime to God. God, where are you? I need you, God. No, I just need you. Just you. Just you. Hi, God. God. Blonde hair, blue eyes. I give, God bless me with this, so I give 10% to God. Someone say that's the tithe. And I take the 90, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, that belongs to God, but he allows me to steward it. Is anybody tracking with me? Okay, so God gives me 100, but I give him 10%. 10%. But, you know, the Bible says that you got to give God your first fruits. Can I, can I break this down to you? So what God will do is that God will give you 10 cranberries. Ten crabberries with ten fat fingers. God, but this is not enough. Thank you, God, that belongs to you. I take the 90. God says you can live with it. You can steward the rest. Woo! Strawberries! My favorite! God, I need some strawberries in my life. What happens is, is that we take a strawberry. Thank you, Lord. You blessed me with, you know, I needed that job, and you blessed me with it. And now I'm going to take 10%, and I'm going to give it to Con Edison. I'm going to take the other 10%, Lord, and I'm going to give it to my car payment. I'm going to take the other 10% of, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. We live on Dunkin'. See, it's not, it's not the 10%. It's the first 10%. Is this, is this blessing anybody? Is this catching? So you give what? You take 10% to God, and you live off the rest. You live off the 90. You decide. You get to steward that 90. Potatoes? 
sweet potatoes. God, you, you understood that I got rolls. And so you blessed me with some sweet potatoes. So I take the sweet potatoes. That belongs to God. I get to live off the 90. Carrots. That belongs to God. See, sometimes we're like, no, 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 no. You give the best to God and you live off the 90. Why? Why? Because I rather live with the 90% that are blessed by God's hand than 100% that are just by my strength and my power and my ability. He says, I've given you 90% to live by. Then God will really bless you. Wrong back, wrong back. No. Give you some lemons. That belongs to, and the 90, you get to steward it and make some banging lemonade with Truvia sugar. God, I need a bigger blessing though. See, you've been faithful with the smaller blessings. And so God's been preparing you to believe him for the bigger blessings. God, I need, a I need a blessing. Bring, bring on the blessings. Bring on the blessings, God. Woo! Amazon right in my door. I need a blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. God, thank you. It's raining watermelon. The 10 belongs to God. Lord, because I've trusted you with the cranberries. I've trusted you with the dime. Now I can bring bigger blessings upon. Because it's not about an amount. It's not about a percentage. It's about the priority of the first fruits that belong to God. I get to live on all this goodness. Can someone give God some praise in this room? Now, so what I do is I teach my children, my, my children, okay, can I have a, come on, little man, let's give it up for Jeremiah real quick. Now, this is how I've been teaching, my son is 14, my daughter is 11, and, um, and what I do is I sit with them anytime that they have money, anytime they have money, because again, like I don't know if you know about kids, you have to be persistent with them, and you will teach them something one day, or you will tell them something one day. And you expect them to have that for the rest of their life. But what you don't understand is that they learn through repetition. And so we have to be consistent in our model of life. But we also have to be consistent in our training, our children type of life. And so what it, you, you just learned what we did right now, right? So God comes and he says, Jeremiah, the Lord bless you with $10. What do you do with those $10? I give one to God and keep the 90. Thank you. Is that simple? Did you see that? It is that simple. So, so what, do you, what do you do? What do you do with, 
If God gave you $10, how much do you give back to God? One what? One dollar. So go give a dollar to God. Watch with that speaker is demonically possessed. There it is. And he gets to live off the 90. Papa, you could keep those $99. Go ahead. Now, so, so that's with a dollar. But what if God bless you with $100? Woo! Should have bought a Honda. Come on, somebody. I need, I need a, I need a, I need a, John, you've been here for nine years. Shaney, can you join, come, can you join me? Jasmine, Shaney, I know it's one of those names. I know it's, come. Can we get up for Shaney real quick? So God gives you $100. And sometimes we're like, but I can't break change. will make the excuses yes or not. we will be like, I only got 20s. I can't give God 10%. Well, God will give you $10 bills of in hundreds. And God blesses you with $100. Can someone give me an envelope? Can you pass me that envelope? So based upon what we taught here, if God gives you $100, what belongs back to God? You can put it in there. And what happens with the other 90 you get to live off the under 90. Someone say, it's that simple. It's that simple. God doesn't want an amount. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And so this belongs to God. The Bible says that when you bring the tithe to God's house, he receives it to himself and he blesses the remainder. He blesses it. God bless you. That's yours. I want you to keep that. Look what Mark chapter 12 says. It says, well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to Uncle Sam what belongs to Uncle Sam. But give to God what belongs to God. Malachi chapter 3, it says, listen, Malachi chapter 3, it says, go back. Malachi chapter 3 says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed for the days of your fathers. You have turned aside from my statues. In other words, you've turned away from my ways. You have stopped believing me. You have stopped believing me. You have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, say, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? How shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yeah, you are robbing me, but you say how we have robbed you. And you say, in your tithes and contributions. In your tithes and offerings. Because here's, here, here's what we need to catch. Go ahead, next verse. Is that it? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. Now, I want to be honest with you. I read this verse, and I'm like, I want to preach that. <laughs> like, that's what I want to preach. I want to I be like, yo, if you don't give to God, you are cursed with what? A curse. That's what I want to preach. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's what I want. I wish there's some things I could preach, but I want to be honest. I would not be fair in committing or keeping of the integrity of the scriptures. Because the Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus fulfilled the law. And Jesus took upon every curse at the death on the cross. 
And so guess what? There is no more curse that is available for those that place their trust in Jesus. And so there are people and there are pastors that will preach this and be like, hey, you're cursed with a curse. But the truth is, under the new covenant of God, there is no more curse for the believers. And so I can't even preach that, but here's, tru- here's the truth. The principle remains true. Right? So guess what? If I steal... I'm not keeping with the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law. But the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Now, I'm not going to be cursed for stealing, but still, my heart should be one that doesn't steal. My heart should be one that doesn't covet. My heart should be one. Now, I'm not going to be cursed by it, but my heart is one that doesn't want to kill people, that doesn't want to commit adultery. Why? Because my heart is being, it belongs to God. It's being transformed. But this is what God says to his people. He says, hey, bring to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to him. And there's many of us here today that we're having, we have trouble with this because we think it's too much. Well, this is too much. I can't give 10%. That's too much. And then my answer to you is this. Well, then how much does God have to reduce your salary for it to be a comfortable amount for you? you don't understand is that God is not looking for an amount. He's looking for an attitude of the heart. And so I think the second thing that God will tell us today is not just that we are to believe him, but it's that it is better to give than receive. You are more blessed when you give than when you receive as the worship team comes up. It says, it is more blessed to give. Look what it says. It says, they begged us again and again and again for the privilege, for the privilege, for the privilege of giving. They begged us again and again for sharing in the gift of the believers in, the, in Jerusalem. And I love it because the same author that wrote this to the church in Corinth also said these things about Jesus. You know what's interesting? That the Bible says... Paul, who is speaking, he says, Jesus said, more blessings come from giving than receiving. Acts chapter 20, verse 34. More blessings come from giving than receiving. But did you know something? Did you know that nowhere in the Bible we can quote Jesus saying that? (laughs) Do you know that the apostle Paul is spreading rumors about Jesus? Like, hey, did you know that Jesus said? Where? Because it's not documented. Go throughout the entire life of Jesus. You will never see it said from Jesus' lips, it is more blessed to give than receive. But he was spreading rumors. Like, you know what Jesus said? He said, it's more blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of church that spreads rumors about Jesus' generosity. And that we can walk through the highways and the byways and say, listen, we serve a generous God. We serve a giving God. We serve a loving God. And we are looking to be a blessing. I don't want to just be the kind of church that is considered a praying church. You've seen those kind of churches? We want to be a church of prayer. We want to be a praying church. No, I want to be an answer I want to be an answered prayer church. I want to be the kind of church that is an answered prayer to the people that are not in the church. That we can walk and be like, listen, man, 
It's not about how much we're praying about you only, but it's about how we are being an answered prayer to a people that are in need of Jesus. And we can meet the needs of poverty. We can meet the needs of emotional instability. We can meet, why? Because this is a generous church, which means that we're gonna give of our time if it matters. We're gonna give of our possessions if it matters. And we're gonna give to God our talents and our giftings and our purpose. God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get his purpose to you so that he can get a blessing through you. Here's the last point. I'm going to give it to you right here. What's the secret, Pastor O? What's the secret, Mac Church? Oh, the secret is that this is bigger than us. generous gets larger and larger but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and so I'm just going to keep hoarding and, and I find myself in this small world because I'm not generous with my love so I only show my love to like the 10 people around me so my world is small my love is small my, my generosity is small my forgiveness is small but it's bigger than us it's bigger than you it's bigger than just your family. It's bigger than just your kids. And I just want to read a couple of passages of scripture to you and just challenge you in this area. Haggai chapter 1 verse 3 and 9. It says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet of Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give, carefully thought, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only, only to be put in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Mighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little what you brought home I blew it away why why did I blow away what you brought home because my because of my house which remains in ruin which each of you is busy with your own house oh you can give your career excellence you can give your your you can give uh, uh, um, you can give Amazon your excellence. You can give the mall your excellence. You can give materialism your excellence. You can give your life, your ways, your priorities, your excellence. But my house, my mission is not flowing. My mission is not, is not being reached to the four corners of the earth. My house is in ruins. But look at the flip side to that. Look what happens when Exodus chapter 36, when God is calling for his house to be assembled. He says, all the artisans who were at work making everything involved in constructing to the sanctuary came. One after the other to Moses saying, the people are bringing more than enough for doing this work that God has commanded us to do. Look at verse 7. So Moses sent out orders through the camps. Men and women, no more offerings for the building of the sanctuary. The people were ordered to stop bringing offerings there was plenty of material for all the work to be done enough more than enough can you imagine the kind of church when they say hey you need to stop giving because we have way 
more resources than we could ever imagine. Let me tell you, I think that we will transform this city if we can be the kind of community that says, listen, listen, you don't, can you imagine a Sunday? No, we're not going to collect the offering today because we got way too much money in the bank. And until we release those funds to bless people, we're not going to collect another offering again. Can you imagine the kind of people that says, listen, I need to, I need you to allow me to give. I need you to allow me to be generous because it is more blessed to give than receive. Why? Because it is, it is much bigger than us. Acts chapter 2, it says all the believers, someone shout all the believers. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. Acts chapter 4 verse 32, it says it this way, it says all the believers were united and in one heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their, do you see the theme? So they shared everything they had. What does it look like when a church, it says, did you see that part in the beginning? All the believers. What would it look like if all the believers in Christ Uncensored House of Worship were united, back, were united in heart and mind? Here's the truth. Historically, 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 it's usually 20% of the people in the church doing 80% of the job. So what would it look like if all the believers, I'm talking about every person. Now, if this, if you're new here, you would just, we just kind of pulled back the, the curtain for you. If you're new here, I don't even want you to consider this message for this church. But if all the believers, Anybody that, anybody that has called this place their spiritual home, where you are spiritually fed on a regular basis, where you consider me your pastor, what would it look like if all the believers at Christ Uncensored House of Worship were of one heart and one mind? Where it wasn't just, I want to I I be honest with you, statistically our church outdoes the statistics throughout the church in America. Because we have at least 40% of our church serving in community group, giving, generous. But there's a secret in the church in Acts chapter 2. There's a secret in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. It says all the believers were in one accord. What would it look like? So I ran some numbers, Sheila. And I said all the believers at Christ Uncensored, house of worship, what it would look like if they tithed. I know what you're thinking. I know God bless me because I know you with the math, that one penny stuff. I know. I get it. I did the math for you. What if all the believers, so there's about 120 people that call Christ and send to their home. But there's honestly about 80 people that are committed. That they're committed fully. That this is their church. They'll bend over backwards for this place that brings them life spiritually. And what would it look like if every one in Kuhau brought the tithe? Now, I just estimated some numbers. I said, what if 80 people made $30,000 a year. Now, most people in America make more than $30,000 a year. As a matter of fact, if you make more than $30,000 a year or $30,000 a year and, and beyond, you are richer than 84% of the world. How blessed are, are we? How blessed are we, right? 84% richer than the rest of the world. Our greatest problem is that our Netflix freezes up on us. Eighty people who made thirty thousand dollars. Do you know what we need as a church to be comfortable? 
$10,000 a month. That's it. $10,000 a month. Now, don't let that encourage you too much because we have way more vision than we do have resources. But if we're being honest, we would need $10,000 a month on a regular basis to do everything that we needed to do as a church and to take the next level as a church community to be one size bigger than we were last year, $10,000. That's it. But do you know that if all the believers that made, some of us make $60,000, sometimes some of us make $80,000, but if all the believers did it, look what it would look like. $20,000 if all the believers at Christ Uncensored House of Worship would tithe and give God the first fruits that belong to him. Give God that first cranberry. Give God that first lemon. Give God that first sweet potato. God, here it goes. Look, look what it would look a year. 2,000, Sheila, 200,040, 200, anyway, it rubbed off. It rubbed off. Thank you, Reuben. God is humbling me right now. 240,000 a year. Is that amazing or what? What God can do if all the believers at Christ and Center were faithful in their time. Now watch. What if all the believers, can we put the next question? What if all the believers came every Sunday faithfully? If 120 people were committed to coming on Sunday, what does that mean? Oh, girl, I want you to come down. It's at 11 o'clock on Sunday. We're going to go get our nails done and get our hair did. No, I'm sorry. We have a commitment to go to the house of God and make sure that his house is not in ruins and make sure that I'm making sure that my priority is aligned for the week. If all the believers, we would have to jump into a second service, which means this, which means this, that we would have another opportunity to fill another space for people to know Jesus. What would happen if all the believers served at least twice a month? If all the believers served at least twice a month, you know what it would look like for our church? It would look like the same people get to receive that have been serving for years on a regular basis. This piano weighs about 2,000 pounds. If I pick it up, my back is going to break. I may be able to pick it up, but my back will break. But if I ask Joels to come and help me, we'll be able to pick it up with a little strain in our back. But then if I ask Emily to come and help me, it might as well just be me and Joels. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. Happy birthday, Emily. Sheila to come and help me and Sheila carry it on her own. Give me that, Pastor Roe. You don't know how to do this. If I ask Sam to come and help me, now, now, now it's me, Sam, Emily, and Jewels, and Sheila carrying the weight of the piano. Can I ask you a question? Did the weight of the piano change? Ooh. The weight of the piano never changed. But now it's distributed amongst God's people evenly. What that means is that we can do much more together than we could ever do apart. I wonder what it would look like if it wasn't just Lewis and Vic serving 
every single Sunday, 7.30 in the morning. Every single Sunday, 7.30 in the morning. Guess what? I love their hearts because they've never complained. They're picking up that piano on their own. But it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive, and that's why they're giving. But I want to open up that opportunity for everyone. What if we all serve twice a month? That means, hey, one Sunday I'm going to come and serve. Another Sunday I'm going to come and receive. Pastor Roy, are you going to collect the offering now? I'm not. We already collected the offering. But it's bigger than us. And, and here's what I can do. Louis, there's a, grab me, grab me this right here. I know I'm way over my time, but I need you to catch this. Please, we're going to pray and we're going to close out. But I need you to, I don't want to leave without you catching this. And if Mike Todd could preach an hour and 12 minutes, I could preach an hour and 12 minutes. So. That wasn't that funny. I looked at it the other day, I was like, 112 minutes, and I'm over here worrying about 45 minutes because Javi was it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord showed me that he's, he's stretching our church. He's stretching our church. And, and there's a world, I never used one of these in my life until I dislocated my shoulder. And when I went, to, I went to physical therapy, this is what they gave me. Now, now this thing was created to be stretched. And so here's what I would do. Stay right there. Do not let that go. You can move, you can move back. Move back a little bit. And this is what happened. I, every day I would. Sometimes it didn't feel like I was, I was growing, but that was still being stretched. Sometimes it didn't feel like the impact was taking place, but that was still being stretched. Because these stretch bands were created to be stretched. But when that thing stretches, I get better. And God showed me this. He said, the job of the church, the reason I call the church to be stretched is because there's a world that needs to be healed. And as, as long as the, the church is just fine, looking pretty, and hanging on a doorknob, but never being stretched, there will be a world that we will be perpetually damaged and never experience their healing. And sometimes, every time we get stretched, we don't see the results. And so we get frustrated because the results are not apparent all the time. But let me tell you, when you start allowing God to stretch you, can I tell you something? Christ Uncensored House of Worship 2020, God is calling us to be stretched. And the further we are stretched, the more healing my body experiences. And it's not just healing. Now I start becoming stronger. You want to see the answer to a world that needs healing? It's found in the stretching of the church. You want to see Staten Island healed? It's found in the stretching of the church. So God is calling all of us to be stretched. All of us. Not just 20%, not just 40%. He's 
He's calling 100% participation. Well, Pastor Ro, I don't know where to, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to, how to use. I don't, I don't know. Well, start at growth track. Just come, just come around. God will put you to work. God will put you to build this temple. I love Yvette because Yvette just came to our church this year. And Yvette is like serving regularly in a community group. And I'm just like, my God, can you imagine what God does with a life that's willing and available? And many times we're willing, but we're not available, so we have to make ourselves available. But many of us are available, and we're just not willing. So it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. And here's what I believe God has challenged you today. And I'm going to ask our host team right now. This is, this is something we, we want to do with you today. And um, we want to give you an envelope that this is not to collect an offering. This envelope is not to collect the offering. I want you to take the envelope. I want you, you could, you could begin distributing the envelopes. I want everyone to grab an envelope. We're not going to collect an offering. I just want you to grab it. And what you will find inside the envelope, there is a $5 bill. Can you imagine that? You came to church. Like, man, what kind of church is this? They're giving me $5? I told you it was the right time to bring your neighbor. There's $5 in that envelope. Here, here's the rules. Number one, you can't reject the envelope. You have to take it. Come on, somebody. Take it. Take the envelope. Just take it. I want to give you the rules. Number one, you cannot spend it on yourself. You cannot spend it on yourself. And here's the second rule. You cannot give it back to Kuhau. I see, I see you over spiritual people. We're just going to give it back to the Lord. No, 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 no. You cannot spend it on yourself. And you cannot put it back in the offering basket. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to pray. God's going to show you how you're going to use those five dollars those five loaves to be a blessing to someone else it might be something as simple as giving getting someone a cup of coffee it might be so simple as paying it forward but I want to begin to open up your appetite to generosity because it is more blessed to give than receive and if you're like if you think for whatever reason I want to be honest with you as a church if you think for whatever reason that what I'm saying is for my benefit and for my, my own selfish desire. Listen, if, this, if you don't trust the church, if you do not trust the church and you don't want to give to the church regularly in the future, then find somewhere you trust and just give. Because it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. God wants to get something through you not just to you and he don't want from, some, something from you he wants to bless you can we stand up on our feet close our eyes thank you worship team for sticking it out with me I appreciate it I know this was a little over I'm looking at some of your faces I know you're having a good time just notify your face did this bless anybody today we forgot the last secret. The last secret is this, that it begins with Jesus. It says, though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty you can make, so he can make you rich. See, the goal is not to see how many people can tithe every week or give every week. It's to get people to receive God's generosity for their lives. It begins. It belongs to him. He would tell you just our heart belongs to God. They would tell you that we believed God. They would tell you it, was, it is more blessed to give than receive. And they would tell you that it was bigger than us. And they would tell you, but you know what? At the end of the day, none of that matters because it began with Jesus anyway. And God will get to your heart by getting to your wallet. Not because he wants your wallet, but because he wants your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so maybe you're here today and you're asking, Pastor Ro, honestly, I just feel so far from this, from this idea. I consider myself generous, but I mean, I'll help somebody out occasionally, but this commitment, this tithing thing, this is just not sitting right with me. My heart is not there. That's a good check right there. That's a check engine light right there. It's a check engine light. I don't, I don't want you to give like that. Don't give. But I do want you to do this. Say, God, I want to receive your generosity towards me. Because that's the truth. When you receive God's forgiveness, you're able to be generous. So maybe you're here today and say, God, I need you to deal with my heart. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want to pray for you today. As a matter of fact, maybe you hear you saying, I, I don't even... I don't even know who Jesus is anymore. If that's you today, I want to invite you to make this declaration with me. As a matter of fact, we call it our fresh start prayer. We're not going to say it alone. We're not going to put you out there. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to raise your hand. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I'm going to encourage everybody to say it together. Say, dear Jesus, I receive your generosity. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you died for me and forgave me of my sins. And from this day forth, I am a new creation because you resurrected on the third day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.